Hi, this is Matthew Beers with Forecast International. I'm here with Dan Darling, Derek Bisacchio, Bill Ostrove, and Ray Jarowski. Today we'll be discussing the 2016 presidential election of Donald Trump and how the election will affect the international aerospace and defense markets. I guess my first question uh, here uh, is, what are the biggest military threats facing uh, the new president? And uh, Dan, let's start with you. Well, <clears throat> thanks, Matt. Um, I think right now the, the two major things going on the jump out are our relations with Russia and the growing militar- militarization of the South China Sea. And there's still a lot of other peripheral questions, Syria, ISIS, Libya is breaking down, um, the Iran nuclear agreement. So there's enough brush fire all across the globe. Right. But I think the major thing to focus on with this new administration coming in is what are U.S. relations going to be like with China, the world's second leading power and a rising nation, and Russia, which, as we've seen since pretty much 2008, has provoked or um, prodded all along its former Soviet periphery in Europe, and is now inserted itself into the Middle East as well. It's it's. Vladimir Putin has let it be known that Russia is a global player, not just in Europe. Right. Um, one other quick thing would be relations with India, which have grown very strong right. over the course of the last years of the Clinton administration through the Bush administration and culminating in, in this past year with uh, more defense uh, right. cooperation agreements with India. So those would be the themes I'm looking at with the new administration coming in. Okay, um, and, and a couple of things I wanted to bring up in terms of that. Um, the, the first thing was, was the possible um, political instability in the European Union, um, uh, having the Brexit and now Trump. Um, how is that going to affect uh, the European Union in terms of its, its defensive posture? Um, and how is that going to affect, um, with that instability, uh, alliances within the European Union? Well, we have to start with NATO, the foremost pillar of European security. Right. Trump has been on record during the campaign electoral season talking about NATO members failing to meet their, quote-unquote, meet their obligations. Um, but campaign rhetoric and administration um, actions are two separate things. So uh, for now... My assumption is NATO relations will remain the same under a, a Trump administration. The undercurrent in Europe is since Brexit, there has been talk about a European defense uh, cooperation, right. um, which a lot of uh, people connected to the European um, defense community would say that that is not necessarily um, a military establishment rather than a planning establishment, something where they can cooperate, coordinate quickly in events 
that NATO and or the United States is not willing to take action. Actually, and you can throw Britain in there as well now right. since it's outside of the going to be outside of the European Union. So I would think that in terms of some form of European defense uh, communication coordination on logistics and you know operational planning and cross training, which was already going on with NATO, right. that that will continue and probably be expedited. Right. So that's where I would stand on the European Union defense aspect. Um, I, but there is one other aspect, it, it's, and I was thinking about it with this election results this morning. Europe has always cried alarmist when a Republican's been elected. Right. So granted, exactly. Donald Trump is far from a normal Republican candidate, and he has voiced isolationists or, you know, aggressive foreign policy ideas at different times. Right. He's a, he's, he, right. <laughs> he's a national, he's definitely got a populist nationalist tinge without a question to his, right. um, you know, rhetoric. But that said, Ronald Reagan being elected and while he was in office was the end of the world for European elites. And they never let up on, you know, he's, he's a barbaric, he's a warmonger, right. et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? You know, the Cold War ended without a shot being fired between the U.S. and Russia. Right. So I would just say I expect European rhetoric in regards to Trump electoral victory to be over the top. So, All right, Thanks, Dan. Sure. All right, moving on to the Middle East um, in Africa, if you have anything on that. Um, Derek, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, on the Middle East just broadly? Yes, I think for a lot of the countries they're across the board, they're mostly just looking at it as kind of a wait and see type of game. I think for many of them, especially allies in the Gulf, they had a greater sense of what they would get out of a Clinton administration. Right. That doesn't mean they necessarily would have liked it, but they have greater certainty from it. Yeah. With Trump coming in, I think there's a lot, you know, greater uncertainty. They're not really sure where he stands on a lot of the, you know, the top issues. For example, with Syria, right. he's talked very strongly about wanting to deal uh, with the Islamic State, but right. he hasn't, you know, hasn't seemed to have the same appetite for going after Assad. Right. But at the same time, he's also been very strongly against the Iran deal that was negotiated by Obama. Right. And given Iran's, you know, machinations throughout the region, he doesn't seem to be uh, interested at all in letting Iran get a free pass and expanding its influence. Right. He's also, you know, very, very pro-Israel. Israel, right. uh, you know, has congratulated him as being one of the most pro-Israel you know, candidates of all time. We'll see if he, you know, turns out with that. But so they're right. hoping for the best. Uh, looking more broadly, you know, North Africa, for example. Right. I think there it's still just kind of a wait and see. I mean, Egypt is probably going to look at it as, you know, a, a potential ally that can help them, you know, crack down on their insurgency and potentially help them out with, you know, all kinds of economic troubles that they've got. Right. But I don't think there's any country that's really right now saying that's it this is you know the end especially you know our allies in particular the u.s allies in particular right a lot of the criticisms of trump were that if he got elected first thing that would happen is all the united states's muslim allies would jump ship right that's not going to happen yet a lot of it is based on what actions he takes as president obviously his rhetoric doesn't help but it's mostly based on what actions he takes as president right um i want to go back to syria 
Um, obviously, that's a hot-button issue right now in the Middle East. Um, do you think he's going to pull out? I mean, it's hard to kind of project what he's going to do, like you said, but, um, I, I mean, if, if obviously, that, that's something he's talked about. Right, right. And uncertainty has kind of been his his thing. That's kind of, right. he likes, you know, he's like throwing that out there that it's hard to predict him. He sees that as being a good negotiating tactic. Yeah. And it's the same same story with Syria. For example, if you want to fight Islamic State, as he said, um, you're going to need to have some type of assets in Syria. Like, for example, what we have right now with an air force, you know, conducting airstrikes on Islamic State positions and a few other uh, insurgent groups in right. Syria. And also to make those type of operations actually count and make them actually worthwhile, yeah. you're probably going to need advisors on the ground, which we have right now right. with the uh, SDF, which is a Kurdish-led, but also has a lot of Arab units, Turkmen units, and things like that in it. And so if that's your only focus and you don't want to fight Assad at all, which is what it seems out of his administration, then you have to back right. the SDF against Islamic State. But the problem comes, what happens tomorrow? What happens the day after, you know, say, Raqqa is taken? The SDF and Assad, you know, they're often criticized as being in cahoots with one another, but they're not fans of each other. Right. Eventually, they're going to come to a head, too. So yeah, any yeah, so any involvement in Syria at all, even purely just fighting Islamic State, yeah. is going to run into the same question that's been essentially plaguing the United States and the West since 2011, what to do about Assad. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, so so basically, I don't see the U.S. pulling out of Syria. Entirely. So they're not going to pull out of Syria, no. uh, most likely. They're going to stay in there. Probably going to stay in to some degree. Probably going to run into the same questions as before about what to do about Assad. Right. Um, and in terms of the, the other side of what he said, um, you know, that he might just, you know, go in there more forcefully than than he is right now. Um yeah, and, and that's well, yeah, and that's another that's another part of it. He's definitely shown that he wants to do an uptick in airstrikes, that he wants right. to be more aggressively prosecuting the war against Islamic State. Right. And you know, to do that, especially when you're carrying out airstrikes in Syria, I mean, each airstrike that you carry out, the Syrian government's nominally opposed to it. There's nothing they can really do right. about it. Russia's even even shown that they're willing to let the U.S. kind of operate in northern and northeastern Syria. Right. And. So every air, you know, airstrike that you carry out is, you know, nominally, you know, in violation of, of Assad right. and, of, of, and his sovereignty, and so that's going to be a sticking point between the two. Okay, so there might be some changes, but we're we're still going to be there in Syria. Uh, yeah, odd, odds okay. are you'll see a lot more of the same. Okay. Do you mind right. if I jump in with Great. question? Yeah, Bill, go ahead. Uh, so Derek, do you, you know Trump has talked a lot about um, resetting relations with with Russia? Do you foresee a different um, relationship between the United States and Russia in Syria specifically? I yeah, I think it's the, it's tough to say. You know, which <laughs> which one will definitely come to pass. I think with Trump as opposed to with Clinton, it's easier if the U.S. is looking to reach out and work with Russia. Now, you can make an argument whether or not Russia is a good partner to work with in Syria or elsewhere. Right. But I think it's more likely that the U.S. could actually work with Russia just based on the way Trump has, uh, you know, referred to Russia during the race, uh, that he's, you know, generally been more positive about the U.S. relations with Russia uh, than his competitor. Right. And so that makes it a lot easier for him to to work with Russia on kind of a, I guess, I don't want to say trust because there's a lot of mistrust between the U.S. and Russia, but there's definitely more between Trump and, and Putin than there would be between Putin and Hillary Clinton. Right. Um, Bill, what about 
South America, uh, Central America. What, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's um, kind of an interesting um, thing there because that was a main one of the main focuses of uh, Trump's campaign right. was um, Latin America in general and uh, really Mexico in particular. Uh, so I think kind of along the same lines as what uh, Derek said, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And, right. Uh, you know, he made a lot of comments about what he'd like to do, but it remains to be seen what will actually happen. Right. Um, so I think uh, two things to, to look out for, though, will be to see how he handles uh, some of the Latin American countries that have uh, aligned more closely with the United States. Right. There's been kind of a split over the past few years in Latin America between countries like Brazil and Venezuela that have aligned with uh, China, um, particularly economically uh, on trade and right. whatnot, and countries like Mexico and Chile that have uh, aligned with the United States. And right. those countries that aligned with the United States have done much better over the past few years economically. Uh, so it remains to be seen what will happen with those countries. Uh, if he's going to get tougher on trade, that may hurt those countries that are tied to the United States. Okay. And then the um, the other thing to look out for is how he's how Trump is going to deal with uh, Venezuela. And there's right. a, a pretty big crisis going on in Venezuela right now. Uh, where they're not doing too good. <laughs> no, yeah. they're not. Uh, you know, basically uh, Maduro is is trying to stay in power, and uh, the opposition is trying to kick him out of power. Right. Um, so it will be interesting to see how he deals with that crisis. Thank you for joining us at Forecast Roundtable. Join us next time as we delve a little more deeply into the 2016 presidential elections effect on the worldwide aerospace and defense market.